Hey, I'm Matt Simpkins, pastor of Christ South, and this is our podcast. Thanks for listening. I hope this builds you up. I hope this helps you in your faith. I hope this helps you to see God at work. We'll see you at the end of the podcast. Good morning, Christ South. I love that phrase, uh, welcome home. I feel like with three campuses, when, uh, when we get to move about, we have, we have three homes. We have... Uh, like we have a Christ South home, a Christ Concord home, and a Christ Providence home. And it's been a little while since I've been able to be down with you, but um, it's always a joy in uh, getting to see how things are progressing and developing and how God is at work here at Christ South. So thank you for your ministry. Thanks for having me today. My wife, Megan, and two boys are on the way. It was kind of a tough morning. Uh, some of you as parents can relate to that, but they're going to be here soon and um, hope they can meet many of you after worship today. Sisters and brothers, grace to you. And peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So we're in week three of our sermon series for Lent. It's called Pits and Piles. And I have maybe an unusual question to start the sermon with for you today. And it's this. Have you ever been robbed? Ever had anything stolen from you? All right. Think about what that was if if you answered in the affirmative. I can remember a night when robbers came to our house. It was years ago. I was um, just a little kid. My parents had a little house off of Park Road here in Charlotte. And we had a single car garage. And one of the cars was kept in the, in the garage. The other one was kept in the car pad right outside. It was a little 1987 Honda Accord. Kind of looked like this little guy. And I remember, um, I remember late at night... You know, I was five or six, and I remember hearing these noises outside my bedroom window. I was on the second story, and it was the clanking of, of tools and metal. And little did I know, that was the sound that these clumsy crooks make when they try to steal stuff. Well, the next morning, my dad, he um, gets up, goes outside. He's got his coffee in his hand, his briefcase, and he gets in his car, and, and he notices a little lower than normal. And he gets out, and the car is sitting on four cinder blocks. And they've stolen the tires uh, during the night. Man. And he was a little, he was like, why didn't you say anything? I'm like, I'm five. How am I supposed to know that's the sound of crooks stealing tires off a car? Who knows that when they're five, right? How about you? You ever been mugged, pickpocketed, had something stolen from you? You know, I talk to people who have had their houses actually broken into and they, they describe this sadness not only over the fact that somebody's taken their things, but really this invasion of privacy. They say it just feels kind of yucky, gross to have somebody come into your space and rummage around. It's one of the reasons we have even big, strong players for the Carolina Panthers. They're on TV promoting what? CVI, home security with ever-increasing levels and types of protection from cameras you can watch on your phone now to motion activated lights to having these voice features where you can talk to visitors. We have ways of protecting our stuff. When I lived in Philadelphia, one of the first things people said you needed to get where I was at was this because one of my classmates had his car stolen. So this is a steering wheel lock and I put that in. Others of us, we go to coffee shops. We don't leave our, we don't leave our computer and our phone just sitting out. We, um, we lock the door. We have ways of protecting our things. But what about the less tangible things? Take joy, for example. You ever had joy stolen from you? 
You know, the Bible talks about joy over and over again. Isaiah 12, verse 6 says, Let all the people of Jerusalem shout his praise with joy, for great is the Holy One of Israel who lives among you. Proverbs chapter 10. The prospect of the righteous is, say it with me, joy, but the hopes of the wicked come to nothing. And then one of my favorites is Nehemiah chapter, verse, chapter 10, verse 10, which says this, Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. But sisters and brothers, have you ever had joy? Somebody try to steal it. Something try to take it from you. Maybe we first need to define what is joy. What is joy? One of my favorite definitions for joy is um, by the pastor Rick Warren. He said this. He said, joy is the settled assurance that God is in control, the quiet confidence that God will work all things for good, and the determined choice to praise him in all conditions, all circumstances. The Apostle Paul talks about joy as one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit, one of the nine fruits. And yet Paul knew that we live in a broken world where sin is present and that sometimes things try to take fruit out of the fruit basket. You with me? They try to steal that joy. You ever gone to bed and you've got joy in your heart? Lord, I know that you are with me. I know that you're going to provide for me. And then robbers come in the night, try to shake that up. I have. And I bet you all know some of these, these joy robbers. What about, um, what about comparison? You know, that uh, you're scrolling through social media late at night and that little voice starts whispering, man, look at their life. Look at how they've got it together. Look at how things are going so well. And, and suddenly you start, you start casting that, that, um, that joy into doubt. What about fear? Fear that um, takes our eyes off the greatness of God and puts it on the greatness of our problems instead. Or makes us wonder how we're ever going to make it instead of focusing on the maker. Worry. Some of us, our joy, worry tries to steal it as we're thinking about all the things that could go wrong or distractions. Jesus said, don't let your heart be weighed down with dissipations and worries. But what I find in my experience is that when we as Christians, when we set out, and we, we, try, to, we try to put our, our hope, our trust in God, all kinds of things like those can, kind of, can try to come along and put us up on cinder blocks. Can try to stop us from moving forward in joy. And Jesus knew about all of them. He knew about comparison. He knew how the disciples argued over which of them was the greatest. He knew about fear and worry and distractions. But I think there was one joy robber that Jesus considered the greatest of them all. And he talked about it in John 16. At the end of his life. This is what he says. I tell you the truth. You will weep and mourn over what is going to happen to me. But the world will rejoice. You will grieve. But your grief will suddenly turn into wonderful joy. This is, this is Thursday. The day before Jesus' crucifixion. And, um, and he, he knows. He knows what's about to happen. And um, he knows that his disciples, they've got him with, him with them right now, but he knows in, in another day uh, he won't be there. And that because of, because of sin, because of our sins, the sins of the world, Jesus is going to be taken from them. And how are their lives going to be characterized at that time? He says, by sadness. You'll mourn, you'll weep, you'll grieve. 
Today the pit, all right, so today we're in week three of this sermon series, Pits and Piles. And the pit today that we're lifting up is the pit of sadness, sadness. And how, how is it that sadness could be a pit? Well, here's one way of thinking about that that helps me. Sadness, let's see if we can put that up there. Sadness is focused on what we lack. It's based on the absence of something. Whereas joy is based on what we have, what we possess. Joy is being in possession of a great good. The reason why the angels at Christmas, we hear them sing joy to the world. Why? Because you have, you have the Savior. But sadness is focused on what we, what we lack, what the loss is, what we don't have present in our life. Now let me be clear about something. I think it's really important this week to say sadness in and of itself is not the pit. Sadness is a natural, it's a normal response to loss. This past week, I, um, I, I counseled a woman whose, uh, her best friend's dad died of a terminal illness. I talked to another woman, she's selling her house because she's just gone through a divorce. A teenager who didn't get into the um, college that she really wanted to go to. What did all three of them have in common? Sadness. This deep sense of, of loss, of lack. And that is not the pit. But the pit is when we get stuck in sadness. When we can't, we can't move forward. We may never move on fully from some of those losses, but if we get stuck and we can't move forward, that's a pit. You see what the pit of sadness is? It's thinking that the losses are going to have the last word. It's thinking that death really can rob us of the people that we love. That the pain of broken relationships is going to be permanent will never heal. It's thinking that when dreams get shattered, they're going to stay shattered. They're never going to come back together. When Jesus is talking to his disciples, he knows they're going to experience sadness because of sin. It's going to separate them from him on the cross. But what he wants to tell them is that's not going to be the last word. And if, if the cross is the end of the story, then sadness could have the last word. But he uses this really interesting metaphor. He wants to comfort them. And you know the metaphor that he picks. Out of all the ways Jesus could have told them, told them about sadness not being the last word. That the losses won't stay permanent. He chooses the metaphor of childbirth. Megan and I, we, um, one of our good friends, she has a front row seat to miracles every day. She, uh, she's a certified nurse midwife out in um, where we used to live in Greenville, North Carolina. And in her career, she's delivered thousands and thousands of babies. And she knows every one of them's names because she has a journal. And she's written, she writes every single name to remember the, the deliveries that she's, she's participated in. And I asked her one time, her name's Carolyn. I said, Carolyn, after you delivered thousands and thousands of babies, has it lost any of the wonder? And she looked at me and she said, not one tiny bit. Because every time... Every time that that mother has the child laid on her chest or the father looks and sees their new son and daughter, the only, the best word to describe that is joy. No matter how hard the labor was, it, it's all worth it when you have that child in your life. No matter how long the labor lasted, that fades, it recedes because of the joy of what you have when the baby's born. And that's what Jesus compares this 
his cross, his resurrection too. He says, I know you're going to go through periods of sadness, whatever that loss or that lack may be. And I know that the greatest one will be when sin makes it seem as if you're separated from me. And sometimes sin does that. Sometimes sin makes us feel as if Jesus, as if God isn't there and all his mercy and his goodness. But he reminds them that, that, that it, it has not, it cannot separate us from him. You want to know what the greatest protection system you can have to keep joy from being stolen from your heart? It's the risen Jesus himself. And, um, and remember in John's Gospel, chapter 10, he says this. He says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. He's going to come and he's going to remind us of that when we're down in those places of sadness, that he's with us. One of the videos this past week um, that was going around on the internet a lot, you may have seen it, and it was, um, it was such a tie-in to what Jesus is saying, where he's talking about the disciples being down and not having him and him coming back. Did you see the, little, the video of the little boy named Luca? The little boy, his, his dad is in the military, and for the past 10 months, dad's been over in Syria and Jordan. And uh, little Luca, nine years old, one day he's at Taekwondo practice. And, um, and they're doing uh, this blind exercise where they're blindfolded. And he thinks it's his instructor that he is, he's with. And he doesn't realize it, but his dad steps out onto the mat. Now, when we watch this little video, I want you to think about what Jesus has just said. He says, you're going to be sad when I'm away from you. But when I come back, when I return, I will give you joy. And no one will rob you of that joy, he says. Nothing can rob you of that joy. Let's watch this clip. So, nine-year-old Luca, he's at Taekwondo in Lebanon tonight, and told he's sparring three of, his, three of his instructors blindfolded. Well, little does he know, one of those instructors is his dad. Staff Sergeant Rob Sesternino is finally back home. He served in Jordan and southern Syria, and for the first time in 10 months, is about to see his son Luca who has no idea he's actually punching his dad. <laughs> Come on, Shiv. Come on. Sorry, we got. Daddy? Such a big boy when I was going. Oh, so proud of you. It's the. All right, I was here. Yeah, I don't know if anybody else. <laughs> Jesus says to the disciples, "So you have sorrow now, but I will see you again. And when I see you, I will give you joy, and no one will rob it from you." Joy is. The, the um, settled assurance that God is in control, the quiet confidence that he will work all things for good, and the determined choice to praise him in all circumstances. How can we do that? How can we do that when we're in that place of sadness and loss and lack? Because he's with us. 
Because he's come, he comes back to us. And the joy we saw, that little boy, that's what he's saying. It's like that to have him here when you're in that pit of sadness, to know that he's there. And you know, I think there's three things I want, I want you to remember from today. When you feel like those joy robbers are coming and they're trying to make you question those things. Number one is perspective. The fact that Jesus has come back, that the cross isn't the end of the story, gives us perspective. It gives us the sense that we know where things are headed. We know that he has already won the victory. And that enables us to have the second thing, persistence. To not give up. To, not, to know that we can keep moving forward even when we're feeling that sadness. And the third one is praise. Not that the sadness is going to be gone, but that one day there will be a day when it's taken away. Perspective, persistence, and praise. Why? Because he's with us. So today, whatever that lack is, boy, whatever it is, um, if it's the, the person that you miss, whether it's the relationship that's struggling, whether it's the dream that didn't pan out, the mistake or the failure that you made, I, what I want to say is, in my experience, I believe with all my heart that when he comes back fully one day, he is going to make all things well. He's going to bring healing to that. I don't know how he's going to do it completely. I'll be honest, but I trust that he will. I know that he will. And because he's been raised from the dead, that's what enables us to have this joy that's greater than happiness, that's greater than just gladness. It's this deep, settled assurance, quiet confidence, and determined choice to praise him no matter what. Now I want to end with, um, I want to end with this psalm from Psalm 30, uh, written by David according to tradition. And of course, King David is somebody who knew, he knew the pits of sadness. He knew the, the experience of joy. He knew the, the highs and the lows. And in Psalm 30, he says this, O Lord my God, I cried to you for help, and you restored my health. You brought me up from the grave, O Lord. You keep me, kept me from falling into the pit of death. Sing to the Lord, all you godly ones. Praise his holy name. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may last through the night, but joy comes with the morning. Let's leave that up there for a moment. Say that last part with me. Weeping may last through the night, but joy comes with the morning. You know that's true, right? Sadness may come into our life for a time, but it's not going to last forever. Because with the morning, that will bring what? Joy. 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 Because with with the joy, there's Jesus. And, um, and in him, he is the one who's overcome the grave, who's broken the power of death, who's overcome the world. And so when those, when those joy robbers come, today, later today, tonight, tomorrow morning when you're heading out to work, and they try to call into question how faithful, how powerful, how loving God is for you, that Jesus is with you like that dad is with his son, tell them to be gone. Tell them to be gone. Because you know, you know who's with you. That shirt that you ha we have here at Christ South, with you always. That's what he is. That those, those robbers can't take our joy away. Weeping may last for the night, but what comes in the morning is joy. And nothing can steal it from us. Thanks be to God. Amen. All right, I hope that was helpful. If so, I ask you a couple of things. One, share this with a friend so that they can hear some good news in their life too. And if you want to continue that impact beyond, 
We ask that you go to ChristSouth.org to the online giving tab and give to this ministry so that we can continue to share this with others. We'll see you on the next podcast or maybe in person at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings at Polo Ridge Elementary in Charlotte, North Carolina. Blessings and peace. Have an awesome week.